I want to continue with the series. And I titled it, The Family is God's Idea. Father, we ask that you speak to our hearts this morning and bless us from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the last, time, last Sunday I ended talking about the fact that for a woman and for a man, what you need to do for the woman is to allow God to bring you to your husband if you are not married. Put your hand in God's hand and let him lead you to your husband. Because that's what Adam, what happened with Adam. God created Eve for Adam and he brought Eve to Adam. And as soon as Adam took one look at Eve, he got excited. <laughs> he says, now, in other words, this is wonderful. Because God was creating somebody, making somebody that would be a helper for him. And so I said last Sunday, dating is okay. Dating is cultural. It's not scriptural. Amen. It's just culture. I would rather, that's for me, I would rather go with what God recommends than what men recommend in finding something so important for my life. When you get married, you're going to be there, unless you're not serious about it, you're going to be with this person for life. That's what God wants. I want him to be involved in this matter. So, you do that. And young people, I have a word for you. Don't worry about finding a mate. Because God's going to help you. Amen? God's going to help you. Don't struggle in your mind. And if you're not married and you want to be married, don't worry in your mind and wonder what God, am I going to find the right person? If you are a child of God, I'm telling you, you will find the right person if you yield to the master. No doubt about it. It's a promise from his word. In Isaiah chapter 34, verse 16, the Bible says, search, the, search from the book of the Lord. Search from the book of the Lord and read. Search from God's book so now we know God has a book, and God knows he has a book, and he wants you to search the book that is written and read. It says, not one of these shall fail. Not one of these shall fail. What is he talking about? One of what? Every promise that God gives in his word, not a single one shall fail, not one shall lack her mate. Amen. And why God says, For my mouth has commanded it, and my and his spirit has guarded them. It gives you a picture of the creation of the world. God gives his command and his spirit gathers what God has commanded. And God is making a promise to you today that if you trust him, you will not lack a mate. He will give you the right person. The right person is going to come to you because he has commanded it. He will bring you together. His spirit will bring this thing to pass if you will trust him. 
He says, not one of these. He's talking about God's promises. Now, I want to shift a little bit and come back again to this, but realize what God is saying here. Search from the book of the Lord. Find promises from the book of the Lord. And God is guaranteeing you that not one single promise that you read from the word of God will fail. In first in second Kings, I mean no first Kings chapter eight, verse fifty six, the Bible says God gave good promises. All of the good promises that he gave through his servant Moses and their experiences, not one word has failed from all of the good promises that God made, gave to us through his servant Moses. And in, in uh, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, he says, God has given us exceedingly great and precious promises. And that by these promises, we might be partakers of God's divine nature. So God is not stopping you from partaking of his divine nature. But the way to partake of his divine nature is to go by the way of his promises. Search from God's book. Not a single promise that he's given to you will fail. Because God has commanded it and his spirit will gather them. I know that if you read that scripture in context, none shall lack a mate. God was talking basically about the animals that he's created. But and if you read in First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9, God, Paul was saying, basically, it's written in the a book of Moses, and God commanded, don't muscle the ox that thread the grain, thread out the grain, and then Paul asked, was God, is it oxen that God was interested in? God's not talking about oxen. He said that for us. And so when God promises here, none shall lack the mate or his mate, that's the promise he's made to you, and that will come to pass if you believe in his word. Not one single promise will fail. So young people, don't strive, don't struggle. If you put your hand and your faith in God's life, God's going to give to you your, the, right mess, the right person that is right for you. Same thing if you're not married and you need a mate. Don't strive. Don't keep running, looking. Just trust God. Do what you have to do, but trust God. God will bring you to that right person. And that's the person that you really need to be with. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And he will direct your path. He will bring everything to pass. Amen. So that's the key thing. Today I want to talk about God's purpose for the woman. God's purpose for the woman. Why did God create the woman for the man? What's the purpose? This is so important because as a wife, when you get to know your purpose then you can fall in with God's program and you will be blessed and your family will be blessed. So we need to know what God's purpose was when he created the woman. And you can read that in, in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good for the man that the man should be alone. 
It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a what? A helper. I will make him a helper. What kind of helper? A helper comparable to him. So right there in the scriptures, you can find as a wife, as a woman, the purpose for your creation. It's really, this is from the beginning. And Jesus always refers to the beginning. He says, in the beginning it was not so. So God goes back to his original purpose. When God created the woman, the purpose was for the woman to be what? A helper to the husband because of the program. Because of God's plan. This is what God says in the word. The helper. In Genesis chapter twenty, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, notice the word says a helper that's comparable to him. Not somebody who is less than him. And we're coming back to that because it's really important that you know what that word means. To be the helper. It's not the woman being less than the man. God has a program. God has a plan for your family. God has a reason why he put you together for the production of godly seed. And your place in that thing is to be the help. The helper so that God's plan can be fulfilled. Now in Genesis chapter 3 verse 16, the Bible says, God spoke to the woman and God said, After the sin, I will greatly multiply your sorrow. That was speaking to the woman. I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. It says, in pain, you will bring forth children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Your desire shall be for your husband. Notice that part is spoken, but that's not judgment. That's, part, that's the way it's going to be. A woman's, you will really be fulfilled when you let your husband be. That is, your husband is to fulfill that need that's there so that you can be complete. But notice what he says. He shall rule over you. That's judgment. That was not God's original plan. Otherwise, that would not be coming after the sin. When God created them, the husband was not designed to rule over his wife. That came after the fall. So, even though God makes you the head, that's not saying to dominate your wife and rule over her. That's the curse. And the curse has been taken away. Amen? It is not for you to rule over her. She is equal to you. You just have two different functions in this role, different roles in this plan that God has given to your family to fulfill. She is exactly equal to the man. Now, for the fulfillment of the plan, God has power given to the man and the woman. So there is power from the Lord to fulfill his plan in the home. But in that power, there are two different types of power that's given because you've got two people involved. The power of authority is given to the man to make the decision. He is the head. 
The woman has a different kind of power. It's called the power of influence. To influence the decision that's made. Are you getting it? (laughs) That's why I often say here, when they ask me, people ask me things to do, what are we going to do? I say, go ask Angela. I am the head and she's the neck. She turns me wherever she wants. That's what's going to happen. What she says is what goes. If mama ain't happy, no one's going to be happy in the home. So she has the power of influence to influence the decision that's made in the home. That's the way God has set it up. Now, we begin to have problems in the home when the woman begins to leave a role of influence and wants to be the decision maker. Then we begin to have problems. And so the family begins to go down because the woman is dominating the home making all the decisions, telling the man what should be done. And after a while, the man decides, I'll try. I don't know if it will work. It's backwards, and God's no longer there. You see, there are principles in God's word that you must follow. No matter how you feel, even if you think you are the A-type personality, pull that back when you are in the home. Now, let me let you know this. A man is to have the power of authority, but he can also be, play the role of influence. In his job, he may not be the boss, right? He can make the decisions. So you can decide where you want to stay. If you want to do, go with the power of influence, or you want to be the one having the power of authority. And sometimes women leave that position of influence and they want to dominate. They want to make sure what I want is what's going to happen in this home. Well, when you do that, there's going to be trouble in the home. The man may tolerate it for a while. After a while, outside there looks a little better. (laughs) It's better outside. The women he's dealing with outside, it makes him feel better. Because you're taking that authority that God gave to him and you're, you're not running the home. He doesn't want to come home. Amen. <laughs> Even if you don't clap for me, I'll clap for myself. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Amen. So that's the thing that God wants. The power of influence. Let me tell you, the woman is so powerful in the home. Let me show you this. I don't know how long Adam lived before Eve was created. We don't know because it was eternity at that point. But notice that Satan never bothered with Adam until Eve showed up. Have you thought about that? Satan never bothered about Adam. He left him alone. With Adam, the plan is not going to, just Adam, is not going to be fulfilled. But as soon as the woman showed up, he got very nervous. Something has got to be done. This family has got to go down. So he decided, formulated the plan to bring that family down. What am I saying? The woman has, even though we're talking about the power of influence, the woman in the home has so much power in the home. That family will be successful or fail depending on what type of woman is in that home. That's just the truth. You've heard it said, behind every successful man is what? It's a woman. And I'm going to show you from the word how important this is. 
you know, in uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1, it says, The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her own hands. The wise woman, the woman who understands God's plan for her in the home, will help to make that home a successful home, a successful family, so it's dependent on the woman. Now, when we build house, the man builds the house. No, the woman built the house. The power of influence from the woman. If you have a wise woman, no matter where they're starting from, as they get married, if they're starting and she understands her role, and the man is taking the role, that house is going to be built on the rock. Nothing is going to throw it down. But if you have a foolish woman with her own hands, refusing to go under God's plan, doing her own thing, listening to what other women are saying, and how they are treating their husbands and all of that, and wanting to do the same at home, that house is going down. The family will not stand. So the woman has that great power. Now, the worst thing a man can do is to marry a foolish woman. Because the foolish woman doesn't want to follow God's plan for the home. And so she tries to go her own way, usurping authority in the home, and the fighting, guess what? She becomes a miserable person. And there's nothing worse than living with a miserable person for the rest of your life, you know. That's pretty difficult to do. That's why it's good to always wait on God. To let God guide you. And it's never too late. I got married late, and I believe I married the best. (laughs) Yeah. You let God do it for you. When you have a woman who is miserable in the home because she cannot get away, what you have a lot in the home is a lot of quarreling. Back and forth. Back and forth. They never agree. Quarreling. She is loud. Complaining. A lot of trouble in the home. And really, like one preacher said, the difference between a quarrelsome woman and a bulldog It's just lipstick. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry, ladies. (laughs) Next Sunday, we're coming to the men. No, (laughs) no, no. You know, the Bible describes it. He says, you know how you feel when it's a real rainy day and you won't quit? I mean, you feel like, what kind of a day is this, you know? Continual dripping, huh? That's what the Bible says. I'd like you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 15. And I'm reading from the New Century Version. It says, a quarreling wife is as bothersome as a continual dripping on a rainy day. The weather is really bad. The man is not feeling good. It's just quarreling, quarreling. For the man, he's, oh my God, what's going on here? And in Proverbs 25, verse 24, it says, it is better. The word better 
to live in a corner on the roof than inside the house with a quarrelsome wife. <laughs> you know, that's why some men don't want to go home. After work, he knows he's been beaten at work, talked down, cursed out, and all of that. And he's thinking about going home, that second shift for being down. He said, man, I don't know if I want to go home. Because he's not, he's not going to find comfort at home. He gets back, and he gets home, and the abuse begins. Because he got a quarrel somewhere. And, and I've often said this here. If you don't, God loves peace. He is the prince of peace. The Holy Spirit, who is the one who brings things from the unseen world, in, of unseen world into the seen world, that's the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. My mouth has commended it, and this, my, His Spirit has gathered them. So the Holy Spirit. He's the one that takes things from the unseen world and brings them into our natural world where we can see them. The problem with that is he's easily grieved. And when there's a home where there's constant bickering and cursing and the husband saying mean things to the wife and the wife's getting back and all of the quarreling in the home, there's a lot of chaos in the home, and the Holy Spirit says, I don't like it here. I really don't like it here. He's grieved. And when the Holy Spirit is grieved, he pulls away. And when he pulls away, you can pray for all the blessings you want. It's not coming. There's no blessing in the home. If the husband and wife can decide, we are going to have peace in our home. We're not going to be using mean words to one another anymore. Not in this house. We'll be gentle, kind to one another. And the wife says, I'm going to try my best not to do something, say something that will hurt him. Because you are to help him, not hurt him. You're to help him. And when you fall into God's program, you watch what's going to happen. The blessings of God, showers of blessing, will begin to be poured into your life. People are struggling and wondering when there is so much chaos in the home. So much fighting. It affects the kids. Sometimes the kids don't even want to stay home. Because mama and daddy, they're back again. <laughs> and they hide in the room and they listen to all the mean words. And then they come to church and they say, glory to God. And the kids just say, huh? I thought we just heard the fighting and cursing. They know it's not serious. How much we damage those that God has put on our authority. Because we will not fall under his program and do it the way he wants it done. Amen. It's so important. These little things matter. These little things matter. What should a, a godly wife be? A godly wife? My primary goal is to help the man. That's what the scripture says. Help him. God took one look at the man. He says, I don't think he can make it on his own. He needs a wife. Your place is to help. 
to help the man. Understand what that word means. The helper. Doesn't mean you are less than the man. You are the helper because of the program. Because of God's plan to prosper and bless your family so that you can raise godly seed. Guess who else is called the helper in the, Holy, in the scripture? The Holy Spirit. He is the helper. The Holy Spirit submits to the Father and to the Son. Not because he's less than the Father or less than the Son, but he is that way he submits because of the program to bring many sons unto, unto God. He is the helper. He's not like you're less, but the Holy Spirit is the, inf- the one that influences us for the Father. He speaks to you. He counsels you. He is our intercessor. You pray for the man. You counsel him. Try to influence, just like the Holy Spirit, try to influence his decisions so he can change his mind and do what is right. Amen. That's what the woman is there for. Not to tear him down. When he comes back home, he needs you to build him up. To show words of kindness. You can do it. I know you. And you build him up. And before long, he believes also he can do it. (laughs) Because you've been building up, building him up. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us, right? He builds us, he prays for us, he counsels us so that the man can be successful. That's the purpose of the woman in the home. That's your place. That's your place. You know, the Bible talks, I want to ask this question. What good are you to your husband? <laughs> I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> what good are you to your husband? You know, Proverbs chapter 31, that's where you have the virtuous, uh, the virtuous woman scripture. And it says, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. That means he's so sure she's not going to join with other people to tear him down, but to build him up. And he says, so he will have no lack of gain. No lack of gain. His gain in life, his success in life, is dependent on the ministry of his wife. Can you see that from the scripture? His success, because he trusts his wife. It says, who can find a virtuous wife? That's, that's what is really important. And I go back to the same thing. For a man... How can you find? The scripture is written there not because you, God is asking you to go try to find a virtuous wife because you can't really find one. You don't know what it is. Only God understands that. Now, in Proverbs, I believe, verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 14, God says, Houses and riches are inheritance from fathers. 
Houses and riches are inheritance from fathers. But a prudent wife is from the Lord. So if you are going to find a virtuous wife, he's got to come from God. Wealth, houses, riches, that's from people. But a woman that's going, that is going to really help you to make it, that's got to come from the Lord. So you give yourself to the Lord, and that's what's going to happen. That's in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 14. It's very clear that he says that. So when God says, who can find a virtuous wife, a woman of valor, that's what that means. Who can find, you can, I don't know what's in them, but he does know them. And God can make, the, because he wants his children to have those, God works on the women so that they can become what he wants them to be, to help their husband. This is really God's program. For every family. Because when God blessed Abraham, he said, In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So God's desire is to bless your home. Not to curse your home. He wants your home blessed. But you need to follow his program. Flow with his program. Create peace in the home. And see what God would do. Amen? So you can't find that. The woman is what does it. It says, a value is more than rubies. The husband trusts. The husband safely trusts her. So, because of that trust, he will never be in lack of gain. He says, she does him good and not evil. How many days of her life? All the, so she's living to make sure she fulfills the program as a helper. When the husband comes in and she notices a weakness, she turns on the helper ministry to strengthen that so that he can become the man that God created him. Not cut down, not criticize, help. Build him up. I know you share. And as he studies the word of God, that's what God is saying. She's the counselor. That's the Holy Spirit. The one that teaches. That's the Holy Spirit. The advocate. The one that prays. That's the Holy Spirit. She's the helper. And God can use you. If you give yourself to that, God will put all of that in you in a moment. Once you say, God, I want that. I want to be a virtuous wife. Give me that. God will give it to you. Young or old. The younger the better. Because you start and you don't have to go through all the trouble. Amen. That's where God wants it. The Bible says in Proverbs 12 verse 4, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. An excellent wife is what? The crown of her husband. But she who curses, shame, is like rottenness in his bones. Now, how can a crown, be, a crown be upon your head if you're not successful? All successful people don't wear crowns, excuse me. Okay? You have to have made it to have a crown on your head. So the woman, the wife, is the crown of her husband. Where do you place a crown? Over the head, right? 
Mm-hmm. So she's wrapped around his head to influence him, amen, <laughs> amen, for success. She got him. She's wrapped around him, monitoring and saying, no, husband, this is not the way to go. I'm, I'm your helper. I'll help you. Why don't you listen to me? Amen? Men, you really need to listen to your wife. Amen? <laughs> I try to listen to my wife nothing. <laughs> she's constantly giving me advice. And I find that she's really smart. <laughs> Keep me out of trouble. Amen. So the wife at place is to help the man. And I'm going to I'm going to be closing right now. But I will share with us this morning, share with us this morning, that that's the first role to help the man. The second role that God expects from the woman is that of reverence. Reverence. And I will come into that next Sunday as we continue in this series. And I'm going to share with you how important that is. And you know, we are from a culture where I don't want to do that. Because of the way people define it. And you don't understand what God meant by the things that he said. But if you truly gain understanding, you'll follow it. You see, everything that God does is shrouded in mystery. If you look at it from a natural viewpoint. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're like foolishness to him. So when you look at what God says about reverence and respect, he created man. He knows what man is like. When you reject it, you reject it because you're foolish. You have no understanding. Everything that God does is shrouded in mystery. And it takes those who search the book to find out and unveil the mystery to make your life successful. That's what it is. So we're going to be talk about, talking about reverence and also talking about the different areas that a woman is supposed to help her husband. I found some things that I didn't know before. And I want to share that with you. Very, very important. Amen? Why are we doing this? We want to build strong families. God seeks godly seeds. And guess what? When, they, when you have godly seeds, they will succeed, succeed in life. Even to the 10th generation, God will, be, will continue to bless them even to the 10th generation if you do things His way. Amen? Stand up with me this morning. Let me share this with, with you, okay? Because we're standing here in the very presence of God. Some people don't really understand this. God is. There is a God. If you don't believe, one day you'll face Him face to face, and you'll believe then. But I know without a, without a doubt that God is. And you've been doing things your own way all this time. Well, there is a reason why he put you here. Have you discovered the reason why you're here? Have you even thought about it? 
Why God allow you to be on the earth at this time? What's your purpose? Why did he create you? He says, I just want to create people. No. Every human being is important to God. And your life has a purpose. You need to discover it. Search so that God will reveal that to you. You need to turn your life. The only way to know is turning your life over to him and say, God, I'm turning my life over to you. Show me why you made me. I asked God, and today I know why God made me. That's what I'm doing today. And I'm fulfilling it. And I've told myself, no matter what happens, this is it. I'm going to do it with everything that I have. Why did he create you? Have you turned your life over to him? All heads bow this morning. If you have not turned your life over to him, I want to give you an opportunity to say, God, I'm coming home. Basically, you have been out of his home all this time doing your own thing. But you want to come back to your father today and say, God, show me your plan for my life. God says, I know my plan for your life. You need to know his plan for your life. God knows it. Today, you can make that happen by surrendering to him. I did that some years back. And just gave everything to God. Whatever you want, God, I'm ready. I want to go. I don't want to do it myself. I need you. How many of us, all, all heads bow, our eyes closed. How many of us here today will say, I need God in my life. I want to turn everything over to him. If that's you, why don't you put your hand right now. Put your hand up right now. Quickly put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. There are some of us here who need to raise our hand because God is watching. Let me see your hand up. All eyes closed right now. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Thank you. Saw that hand. Thank you, Father. Now, God wants to bless. Those that raise your hands up, say with me, and everyone repeat with me. God, I'm committing my life totally to you. I receive you into my life with all of my heart. Lord Jesus, be the Savior and Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I want to say this. If you are in a relationship and you're hurting, God wants to heal this morning. Don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to heal you first. And then he will begin to heal the relationship. If you're wounded, your relationship really cannot go well. You need to be well first. And then God will heal your relationship. If this happened in the past and there's still that rudiment of faith in your life, God wants to heal you. If you're sick in the body, I've done, I really know God wants to heal you today. And I'm going to ask our prayer partners, please come up here. And if you need prayer, please come up and let them pray for you. God will touch your life and bring healing into your life.